Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, folks, and we are here. December 21st, Monday, inside the Gamecocks podcast. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the opening segment of the podcast. I want to apologize for the, oh gosh, the bongo drum sound that was on the podcast, uh, I guess, last week. Hopefully, we got that squared away. Um, have a new microphone. Continue to upgrade the mics in the last few months, in case you guys haven't noticed. Uh, got a nice one, but it picks up everything. So I don't know if I was tapping my foot. Uh, or what the situation was, but I've I've tried to correct it, and hopefully uh, it is corrected. Uh, For those of you that were uh, polite about it on Twitter, great. And for the one jerk that decided to make a big deal out of it, I hope you enjoy being blocked on Twitter, and I do hope you unsubscribe from this podcast. A new there. There is some news uh, that we have to go over here uh, from Gamecock land, first and foremost. uh, Tanner Bailey, a four-star quarterback from Gordo, Alabama. For those of you that don't know uh, where Gordo is, if you go from Tuscaloosa to Starkville, you go, um, I guess, uh, through this town, and then you lose cell phone service. That's Gordo. It's it's kind of on that road, uh, off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, he's a player that was the top quarterback on the board for a while. Uh, ended up going to Oregon after – a COVID uh, visit there, uh, meaning he couldn't meet with Cristobal and those guys. Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. Joe Moorhead takes the job at Akron. Obviously, things are different at Oregon now. And so he comes back and signs with the Gamecocks. That gives Carolina two quarterbacks uh, out of high school in this class, plus Spencer Rattler. Uh, I think it's safe to say the the room has sort of been flipped now. Uh, and, And this happens. Now, all these guys probably... You know, with the portal these days, you're going to have some transition at quarterback. You're going to have some guys leave if they're not playing and they think they could, all that. But, you know, you don't want to put that on the guys right now. Um, you know, Braden Davis and, and T- Tanner Bailey uh, both have a unique skill set. Uh, I'd say Tanner's probably more polished right now. I think that um, Braden Davis probably has the upside. Uh, I think a lot of people – I guess, are uh, wanting good quarterback play at South Carolina and all these high school guys that come through that uh, the staff offers or signs. Uh, they get put under a microscope by a lot of folks, a lot of fans out there. And if you're not perfect at throwing the ball now, I guess uh, I guess that just you automatically labeled as not good, uh, which isn't true. Uh, you know, a lot of quarterbacks have to develop. Most of them do actually 90-something percent. Uh, so that's the that's the key with uh, Braden Davis is development. Uh, very smart kid, good football IQ. Size speaks for itself. Speed speaks for itself, and really his his arm strength does too. Uh, with Tanner Bailey, uh, best way I could describe him, he's a lot like that quarterback that plays at Mississippi State right now. Uh, this year, gosh, his name escapes me, uh, but um, I, I think that 
you know, when you look at his skill set, he's kind of one of those classic air raid type guys uh, that's just going to, you know, get it, chunk it, get it out there, uh, throw it quickly, that kind of thing. Uh, very quick release uh, and all that. Will Rogers. <clears throat> Will Rogers is the name of the <laughs> Mississippi State quarterback. I really like Will Rogers, so I, I'm, I'm surprised I forgot that. But that's I had to look that up there. So that's – uh. That's the situation. Um, you know, originally Bailey was going to go public January 10th. I, I don't know that that was going to last uh, for a while. You know, we'd sit, sit around and speculate about it for a good uh, many weeks, but uh, he's in. Uh, and again, Braden Davis is in and Spencer Rattler is in. So, you know, you lose Jason Brown, uh, you lose Zeb Nolan, but you replace it with Rattler, Bailey, and Davis. I'd, I'd take that deal uh, as far as moving forward. So, uh, another nice pickup by the Gamecocks, uh, taking a you know the, the plan was always going to be if they had the room to take a second quarterback. Uh, I think it's very good and sort of uh, uh, a function of the coaching carousel that, that they got Bailey because had Mario Cristobal not taken Miami and Joe Moorhead not left to go take the Akron job. Uh, I think Tanner would be heading to Eugene, Oregon right now so very fortunate get uh for the Gamecocks and, and that's what you got to do man when uh when things don't work out at other places uh you know you got to kind of stay on guard and uh and get the guys you want to get so nice pickup uh for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks getting that quarterback uh uh a third quarterback in this class uh, it's been really a good run uh, at that position the last couple of weeks there's work to be done uh, South Carolina needs to definitely uh, sign some receivers. That, that's going to be a key to the offense next year. They got a tight end in Austin Stogner. Probably could use one more. Probably could use a running back out of the portal. Uh, and then there's there could be some defensive players that pop up too. Especially keep an eye on some of these guys from within the state that have gone elsewhere. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into names or anything, but uh, you know, keep an eye on those guys uh, moving forward. So the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, I, I think I think this. You know, you look at this class, <clears throat> and I, I think it, number one, it's not done, and, and I've said that many times. It, it could end up being more highly rated uh, when uh, I guess you you can count the other transfers that come in, uh, and we'll see where it is right now. I'll, I'll, I'll look at it. It's uh, shoot the ranking right now is. When you look at the overall with the transfers, according to 24-7 sports, and I've said this about this formula, I think it needs to be tweaked. ESPN had the Gamecocks sixth in the SEC, by the way. You know, Gamecocks are still 10th in the league, right behind Arkansas, ahead of Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vandy, and Florida. Uh, Florida's got a tiny class right now. you got to think they're going to hit the portal. Uh, but you're kind of Gamecocks are kind of within range of Auburn, Missouri, Kentucky. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens. Um, and I, I think if you want to get concerned about something, uh, you, you kind of look at what Kentucky and Missouri did in recruiting this year, and a lot of things broke their way. Uh, and those are two schools that have kind of done it, uh, won games by evaluating guys. They, you know, Missouri, I think, finished with a 35th ranked class three years in a row uh, a few years back. So for those guys to start getting elite talent, you know, that's, uh, that's, that, that could impact the division. Uh, moving forward, Tennessee with another typical Tennessee class. Uh, if there's one thing you you don't like about what Tennessee did, it's probably that they got James Pierce uh, there at the end, and Carolina was hopeful he'd hold off and all that good stuff. Pass rusher out of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, that type of thing. Uh, so you know, Gamecocks aren't done yet. I still think they have plenty of room uh, in the portal to go get some players, and they are definitely in the market. You know, especially at wide receiver. Um, you know, I think that when you look at it with Josh Van returning, Landon Sampson coming in, if they move Jaheim Bell to where he needs to be, uh, you know, then have one more guy maybe step up. Uh, it, it's serviceable, but it's it's just, you know, they need – I was talking to somebody the other day, like they need to find like a 6'1 guy that can take a top off of defense, you know, uh, a burner. Uh, those guys aren't easy to find. Uh, but a, like a true like a game breaker, uh, Carolina needs uh, two or three guys like that. If they could get one, and then some other types of guys, uh, that would be fine too. But 
Justin Stepp, wide receivers coach for the Gamecocks, uh, Shane Beamer, uh, all those guys are uh, definitely on the lookout for uh, uh, more talent, you know, at that position. And I think that if South Carolina can get that, given the backs they have returning, given Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner, uh, and then given, you know, the fact they're going to return just about everybody up front on the offensive line. I know that group has to get better, but uh, uh, my guess is it will. You know, you have the makings of what could be an offense that is not, you know, as bad as, you know, what it was this year. <laughs> um, and uh, you guys also know that uh, about the coordinator situation, you know, you guys know how I feel about that. Uh, I think that every press conference that happens, uh, everybody kind of gets on edge about, oh, there's not going to be a change or something like that. And, and look, I, I'll say this, and I put an update up on the Big Spur today, and I'll uh, I'll just reiterate what I said there. Um, first and foremost, uh, I haven't said much about this because it's recruiting time, and <laughs> you don't want to unintentionally torpedo someone's recruiting efforts based on your opinion of something uh, or, or, or some information that you've gotten. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't do that to any school much less South Carolina. Um, you know, that's just not ethically what, you know, I, I do. <laughs> uh, unless it's rock-solid info, you know, and uh, needless to say, uh, you know, if it were rock-solid, uh, unquestioned info, there'd be reports. Um, so that that's number one. I hadn't said much because it's recruiting time, and obviously Marcus Satterfield's heavily involved in recruiting these guys. Um, and I, I, I still think that, you know, I, I, I don't know that Marcus Satterfield's a wizard on the recruiting trail or anything like that. Uh, but I do think it's easier to sell something that you have than to just say, oh, well, we're getting a new guy. We don't really know what it's going to be uh, when you're trying to get a Spencer Rattler or Austin Stogner or Tanner Bailey or whoever, whoever down the stretch uh, in the boat. And I think that's one way to do it. Uh, now, another way to do it is just uh, – you know, cut bait right after the Clemson game and away you go. Uh, but would that help recruiting in the near future? Uh, probably not. And so I think, you know, because players want answers uh, about, um, you know, what exactly they're going to be doing. Uh, whether And whether that changes or not, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, as long as you kind of stick within the parameters of, of what you sold. And I have a feeling Shane Beamer is going to do that uh, if he does make a change. Uh, I also think that, you know, and this is number two, I, I have not heard anything about it. You know, there for a while after the Clemson game, about every couple of days you'd hear something, and it's been radio silence on that end since. You know, so there's been nothing really on my end that's popped up. In fact, it's been very quiet uh, on that end. And uh, about the only thing uh, I can gather is the, the bowl game against North Carolina coming up in nine days. It's probably going to be relatively important. Uh, in terms of uh, the future of the offense at South Carolina. Now, uh, I think there is also a school of thought that the bowl game probably doesn't mean much because you don't know who's going to be motivated, who's not. Bowls are impossible to kind of predict uh, a lot of the time. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But that's that's the reason why, you know, I haven't had any updates. And, and of course, Satterfield met with the media yesterday. And, uh, you know, I I'm not a huge fan – I guess, of the pitch. Uh, but I get it as long as it was effective by saying, hey, everybody thinks you're the worst quarterback in the country, Spencer, and I'm the worst offensive coordinator. Uh, why don't we come work on it together? I, I don't think anybody ever thought Spencer Rattler was the worst quarterback in the country. I, I admittedly, when he was coming out of high school, thought that the Kyler Murray comparisons were unfair and a little bit far-fetched. Uh, I thought that, you know, uh, at Oklahoma this year, he obviously struggled. You know, a lot of that was reading defenses, and he took a lot of heat for that, both in Norman and nationally. That didn't mean the guy didn't have a skill set. I mean, uh, I laid it out. You know, here's a quarterback that can finally run the zone read. Carolina's been kind of one. You know, these coaches have come through and run this inside zone stuff with no tag on the zone read to quarterback, so the quarterback can keep it, and you have a legit threat there. Um. You know, going back to Jake Bentley in 2017 when 
uh, kind of just seemed whenever they'd run Bentley and he'd keep it, the, the run game with A.J. Turner and those guys would open up. Uh, but they refused to do it a lot. Uh, you know, keep going. Holinsky was not that guy. Colin Hill certainly wasn't that guy. Luke Doty's kind of that guy. But, you know, Doty had a broken foot this year, couldn't really get going. Um, so this is a guy that can do it. This is a guy that's also good enough when you look at uh, – Again, skill set, not necessarily performance at Oklahoma, but skill set uh, that an RPO type of system uh, or an RPO type of uh, package or, or however you want to call it. RPOs are types of plays. They're not, it's not an offense. You don't go out there and say, we're going to run an RPO offense. You can be RPO heavy, uh, but that's like saying, uh, we're going to run an, uh, you know, an I formation offense. That, uh, the I is just part of, you know, the, the bigger picture. Uh, but RPOs, if you can run them effectively, are certainly important uh, and certainly have been done with great success, both at the pro and college level. Uh, and you sort of, you know, Alabama is probably the, I would say, the the gold standard for that right now when you look at what they can do uh, with the RPO game and, and things like that. So it helps there. I, I think Spencer Rattler, when you're looking at him, his ability to throw it deep uh, vertically, uh, he's got a great ball, you know, and so, so those are three things that that folks around South Carolina have been clamoring for uh, at the quarterback position that Spencer Rattler is really good at doing. Um, so, so no, I, I wasn't a big fan of hey, we everybody thinks we both suck, let's go do it because I don't, I don't necessarily think anybody thought Spencer Rattler sucked. They thought he struggled, you know, for a guy that was a preseason Heisman contender and Oklahoma was a preseason national championship contender. Uh, which they fell short as a program and a team as well. Then Lincoln Riley walked out the door. Um, you know, yeah, it was disappointing. But that, that that doesn't necessarily mean the guys, you know, should never play, you know, college football again and he's a backup or a bum or, or, or whatever. Plenty of guys uh, have lost their jobs uh, at certain schools and gone elsewhere or fallen short. Uh, with the job gone elsewhere and 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 shined. I think that's part of college football these days is quarterbacks kind of, you know, the kind of mercenary type of guys, and, and they'll go different places and uh, and have success and find success. And uh, it's my hope that uh, Spencer Rattler does find success at South Carolina. That certainly helped the Gamecocks uh, outlook for next season uh, in 2022. Uh, so that's the recruiting part of it, and I think. Uh, I think this this class is pretty good, uh, you know, all things considered, as it stands now. And we'll see sort of how it goes uh, moving forward. I thought that, uh, you know, I, I thought they did some really nice things and, and were very resourceful. Uh, you know, they're kind of uh, toward, I don't know, toward the end especially. Uh, I thought they were very – very resourceful. All right, time for the analysis segment uh, of our. Oh, I didn't. I didn't say this. Gamecock basketball lost to Clemson seventy to fifty six on Saturday. Uh, who here is tired of losing to those guys? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and and it may be a little unfair. Gamecocks didn't play them last year. They did win last time. They were at Little John by thirteen. Uh, the, the, those COVID restrictions really took the wind out of the sails. You know, were there some positive things? Yes. Chico Carter, uh, find, I think finding his way now a little bit, 21 points in the game as a score. Uh, but other than that, it was just the Gamecocks, you know, they couldn't compete. Uh, it's had a hard time competing in the basketball game uh, with all those players out. We'll see what happens uh, moving forward. All right, now, analysis, part of this, the, the podcast. <laughs> uh, always brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, realtor from Colwell Banker Kane, 864-414-5271, Daniel Morgan Avenue, my hometown of Spartanburg. You know the real estate market's crazy right now. Uh, give Cindy a call. Again, 864-414-5271 or ccearfoss at cbkane.com. That's C-S-E-A-R. F-O-S-S at C-B-Kane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E dot com. Daniel Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg. She's been in the upstate for more than 35 years and will help you with all your real estate needs. Married to a diehard Gamecock fan and a daggum good dude uh, as well. That's Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate dot com. Uh, or yeah, Caldwell Banker Real Estate, Caldwell Banker dot com is the, uh, is the deal there. Um. So, 
breaking this down, this this recruiting class uh, for the Gamecocks. You know, I was asked about this, and I get asked about this a lot in terms of, you know, what happened in North Carolina. That's a big – and I don't know why, what happened on the message board Wednesday, but everybody just went nuts about not getting anybody out of North Carolina. I'm like, that was that was pretty much expected. Uh, and I was on 107.5 The Game with uh, Bill Gunner early this morning. Got up early to do it, and – uh, you, you know, I, I do understand you have to recruit. I've said this for years. You have to recruit in North Carolina uh, to be successful at South Carolina. I think you look at all the periods of success the Gamecocks have had, and they've, they've had some guys from North Carolina uh, that are part of the team. They have some now. I mean, the offensive line has a lot of North Carolina kids on it. Um, but, you know, this cycle in particular, now – I want you guys to kind of hear me out and I'm not downplaying it because uh, obviously with when this staff got to, got to South Carolina uh, with the, you know, COVID deal, not being able to get on the road uh, with two and eight, four and eight, those records. uh, And and with a lot of these guys from North Carolina kind of making their decisions earlier and, and, and all that James Pierce, notwithstanding, um, you know, just wasn't a lot of room to operate. And then number two, I'll put I'll put this out, and this is not uh, anything against Wake Forest or Wisconsin or App State or uh, any of these schools that have recruited, you know, North Carolina and, and kind of this region of the top players. But you look, North Carolina got three of the top four, uh, four out of the top six, and then it's Virginia getting a guy it's NC state, Tennessee, of course, got James Pierce. It's NC state getting another guy, Wake Forest, Missouri, Xavier Simmons from Greensboro was a guy Carolina evaluated and didn't really push for after he visited. Um, so the point there is on paper, and this is on paper because we all know there are guys that pop up and you look back and you say, well, this class was a little, uh, well, not as deep in a state, and you look, and then they got ten guys going to the draft. That's the, the inexact science part of it. Uh, but it, but it wasn't like, you know, I mean, University of North Carolina took four guys out of that state. I think they offered seven. Um, North Carolina has the number one class in the ACC because they went into Virginia, which is another problem, uh, and landed seven good players which normally would have gone national or to Virginia Tech or Virginia. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the UNC blockade, I guess, is, if you could call it that, has extended into the state of Virginia, which, man, if, if if you can get the top guys in North Carolina and Virginia every single cycle, you can put together a a team that can, you know, at least contend for the ACC championship, probably the college football playoff. Uh, there's just that much talent there when you're talking about the best of the best. So, uh, it, it, number one, it really wasn't that deep of a year in North Carolina. And, and number two, this staff made the decision because you can go one of two ways. All right. You can, and I've seen it done both ways at South Carolina. You can, you can go and say, okay, our primary recruiting areas, the Carolinas, Florida, and Georgia, we're going to stick to that and live or die by what we can get out of those four states with few exceptions. Uh, and you could do that. And and that's fine. I mean, that's uh, nothing wrong with, uh, with that kind of uh, philosophy. You know, there in theory, there's enough talent in those four States to, to be competitive and make things happen. Uh, or you can kind of expand things and uh, go elsewhere. Uh, and so in other words, your numbers, uh, if you think about it, let's say, you know, South Carolina on average, in a good year, we'll get between three and five out of North Carolina. Well, okay, so they didn't get those guys, but they got two out of Pennsylvania, one out of Delaware, uh, all really heavily recruited guys, one out of Mississippi, and three out of Texas. Uh, on top of that, they got one out of Alabama, too. So so if you do the Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas number, that's five from the SEC West region. Uh, so it's eight guys. Uh, and, and, you know, realistically, if you're, if you're South Carolina and you're doing well in North Carolina and Virginia, eight guys is probably what you're going to get. And and so then the question just becomes player to player, you know, who's better, you know, and uh, certainly the guys South Carolina got aren't quite ranked as high 
as the kids out of Virginia and North Carolina, the Tar Heels got. Uh, but that's comparing South Carolina and North Carolina, not necessarily a normal South Carolina class. And uh, I felt like it was important for Shane Beamer uh, this go around and, and his staff would kind of, it's their first full cycle, but again, with knowing that it didn't really start until June, uh, I thought it was important to at least get back in that area uh, numerically. Uh, and you guys know I'm not a, I don't live and die by the team recruiting rankings at all. Uh, numerically, you know, you, you, you want to get back up there just for perception standpoint, because last year it ranked 79th. Uh, it was actually 56th when you added in the transfers. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was a really a portal heavy deal for the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, and you just want to get back and replenish and, you know, sign a big class. I mean, they, they did really well signing defensive linemen, defensive backs, 11 guys. Uh, in this class <clears throat> at those positions. And so, um, you know, replenishing the numbers was important. Uh, and then this next part of it's going to be hitting the portal for, you know, guys that can play next year uh, for the 2022 Gamecocks. So, uh, you know, and I, 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 I don't mind seeing this happen because, look, let, let's face it, I, I can sit here and say just because of my familiarity with the program, I can sit here and say all I want. Oh, South Carolina, if they can just corral and be the school in the Carolinas and get all the top players and then uh, – and I'll get to Georgia and Florida in a minute, you know, oh, they could they could dominate. Well, that's that's a that's a no-crap Sherlock kind of take by me because that's true of everybody. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think that there's been, never been a school that's really done that. I think Clemson, to a certain extent, uh, sometimes has, has gotten top guys out of both both Carolinas, but uh, normally that's easier said than done. Been playing college football around here for 125 plus years. Uh, why not try something different? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's one of those things. And uh, Pete Limbo, who sort of led the led the charge for the Gamecocks in the Northeast, uh, talked about you know how he has an underdog mentality and people were telling him you couldn't recruit. And, you know, he, he went up there and boy, Carolina was battling for some of the top guys up in the Northeast Keenan Nelson, Jr. Uh, you know, prospect. It's a, an army all American or used to be army bowl. They call it something else now. It's in San Antonio, Braden Davis playing in the under armor game. Uh, Ryan Brubaker is a offensive tackle. Uh, they need tackles, uh, a legacy of Penn state. Great kid. Uh, upside guy uh, you, you know and, and, and so you those are quality guys i mean it, you know i think gamecock fans may be a little more excited if they were in state or you know from the carolinas but those are quality guys and then you know the texas kids and austin stogner obviously coming from oklahoma as a texas kid but the, the other two you know landon samson and peyton williams peyton williams uh, espn loves this guy i think he's a four-star guy uh, you know, and then Landis Sampson is also going to what used to be the Army Bowl. And, uh, man, there's probably very few receivers in the country that have as high of a floor as Landis Sampson. And so, you know, and then Stone Blanton from Mississippi, you know, you, you beat Mississippi State on him, four-star guy. And Tanner Bailey from Alabama, four-star guy. Uh, top, um, top 15 quarterback in the country. So, you know, that's eight. Like I said, that, that's kind of the the elite eight uh, where they, you know, went out of out of their comfort zone or, or I'm sorry, what the comfort zone normally is for this program uh, and got it done. Now, one thing you worry about when the Beamer staff came in is Georgia. Uh, and obviously, Shane Beamer recruited Georgia when uh, he was at South Carolina. Uh, you know, I think other coaches, Jimmy Lindsay, Clayton White, those guys, Mike Peterson, they've all worked the state. But I thought Will Muschamp and his staff did a great job uh, of of recruiting what I call the second tier in Georgia. Now, now when I say tier, I'm not talking about like okay, these guys in the first tier are just so much better than the guys in the second. And in some cases, they are because you're talking about you know elite guys uh, that come out of that state that have. You know, I'm, I'm more talking about like who's recruiting them. Okay, so the guys. Alabama and Georgia battle it out for in that state. You know, your chances of getting those guys are probably slim right now just because Bama and Georgia are the, you know, on top of the world 
you know, and, and you've got Georgia kids. Uh, so I, I don't know that that's realistic. But that next tier where, you know, guys like all, they have Auburn, Florida offers, Tennessee offers, uh, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, Florida State or whoever, you know, really good solid offer list, just not Alabama and Georgia. That, that's, that's what I call the second tier. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean because, you know, you look at the draft last year, there's a lot of second and third tier guys out of Georgia that got drafted early. Uh, J.C. Horn was probably a second tier guy, uh, did not have the Georgia Obama offer, but, you know, Tennessee and, and, and some other schools. Uh, and, and so I think it's very important for South Carolina to always get their share of that tier. I, I don't think you can over recruit Georgia and take flyers uh, out of that state on a regular basis and be successful. But and I'll get to like where you should take flyers here in a sec. Uh, but I do think that second tier, you know, get your share of the second tier and look at it. I mean, when you look at it, they hit this, they, they nailed it. Uh, here's Emory, Emory Floyd, tons of offers, Florida, Auburn, those schools. Florida ended up trying to flip him at the end. Uh, Donovan Westmoreland is a guy that, you know, was committed to Georgia. I, I, I don't want to sit here and be dishonest and tell you that Georgia was so upset they lost him because <laughs> that's not true, but I don't know that they straight up dro- dropped him either. You know, there's kind of ways you can, you can get around that. Uh, a lot of it has to do with communication and uh, you know, another school, in other words, is trying really hard to flip your guy. You don't really care that he goes. So you just don't talk to him. You know, that that's kind of how that works. Uh, two offensive linemen that I think have a chance in case and Henry and Grayson Maines. Uh, and then Felix Hickson, uh, the defensive tackle from Jackson, Georgia, loved his junior film. Uh, not sure so much about his senior film. Got to have to get in and work. Gamecast beat Georgia Tech and I think some other schools on him. So, you know, these are the types of guys the Gamecocks normally get. They're not in that tier that Alabama and Georgia are fighting over, but they've got legit SEC offers up and down their offer sheet. Uh, and a lot of times they can end up being better players than the players in that first tier out of the state of Georgia. So I mentioned taking flyers. Now here, here's where it gets interesting as far as the, I think if you're going to take some flyers, Florida is a good spot to do it because a lot of those guys down there are great athletes and love football. And then the state of South Carolina, obviously, you know, in-state guys that are under-recruited tend to pan out. Well, you know, you look at the Florida group, you got four guys from that state. Anthony Rose to me is a no brainer out of Miami central. He's an early enrollee. Uh, looks like I, I think he could be in the two deep. Uh, K. John Banks from Tallahassee. Uh, so here's a guy you kind of took a flyer on. He's 5'10, 175. Didn't have a huge offer list. I think they beat West Virginia on him. Uh, and uh, but he's a ball player. You know, he he's a guy Torian Gray loved on film, probably gonna play with the nickel, that kind of thing. Uh, Jamal Weish uh, was a move in down there in Miami. Uh, he's originally from Ohio, uh, a guy that sort of uh, can play the edge, but also sort of lives on the edge. Nasty player, really. Uh, really like his ability. Uh, and uh, I really like the uh, fact that, you know, he has that edge about him. I think the Gamecocks need more guys like that. And then Brian Thomas Jr., another edge guy. Uh, and Weiss may be an inside guy eventually, but Thomas is an edge guy, pure Buck edge guy, uh, very lengthy guy that, uh, you know, had NFL bloodlines. So, you know, you, you take flyers in Florida, F and F, and then in South Carolina, uh, there at the end, you know, taking Xavier Short and DQ Smith, I thought was smart. You don't want guys from Columbia going elsewhere and being superstars. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's all upside in the, in the in-state class. Uh, and Warre, Upside guy, Kyle Horton, upside guy, Demetrius Watson, upside guy, though Demetrius' senior film was much better than his junior film, uh, and then Short and Smith. Um, and, you know, I, I, you live with that type of in-state class because we've seen it before at other schools where you got a group of about five South Carolina kids you sign, and, heck, four of them end up being stars playing in the NFL. I've seen it at Clemson before seen it in South Carolina before. So I, I really like the approach uh, of this class. And, and that's a tribute to guys like Taylor Edwards, who's the director of player personnel and, you know, Shane Beamer himself, uh, because the bottom line is you, you can sit there and start dipping into tier three and tier four in Florida and Georgia. 
and, and sign a class that has a chance, you know, because you're basically getting the guys that would go to UCF or uh, USF or, or someplace like that, Georgia Tech in some ways, so, some cases. But And those, those schools all put out NFL players, but that, that gets hard. You know, that gets hard to do. I mean, I've seen one school do that with a lot of success over the years, and that's Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky would not be where Kentucky is as a program right now uh, without those guys, but also without what they do in Ohio where they get a nice base every year. You know, they're getting – from Ohio, they're getting the guys Michigan State used to get, Iowa, and, you know, those Big Ten schools that typically beat SEC schools in bowl games. Um, that's kind of the type of guy they're getting out of Ohio. And then uh, they really did a fantastic job, you know, w- with their class this year. But Kentucky would do well. They would go in even even into South Carolina and get guys that could play uh, out of that next tier. So, you know, you can do that, but you better be Kentucky good at it. And Kentucky, you know, took them a while to build uh, by doing that. Or you can, you know, spread it out and go elsewhere and, uh, you know, you, you got 10 states represented everywhere from Arizona to Delaware to Pennsylvania to Florida. Uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of a lot of geographic diversity. Uh, and, and that's kind of the way you can do it. And if you can be successful as a program doing it like this, when you're six and six, if you start winning, uh, you can spot recruit the country and, and, and maybe really have a more national approach than a regional approach. Uh, and I've, I, you know, look, I'll be the first to tell you, I've never really advocated for this uh, type of approach at South Carolina. I have said that the, you know, I-95 from, you know, Miami to Maine, they really need to hit that hard. Um, and and, and, the, and the, the Northeast kids don't surprise me. It's the, it's the Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, because uh, I've always said it's a waste of time to go west, and I and I've been I was proven wrong uh, by this class. And you know, if, if you can get two out of Texas every year that you like, or one, that's fine. And uh, those other SEC West states, uh, and, you know, then you think about it. Last year uh, in the 2021 class, they got Colby Fields out of Louisiana, so you've got one Louisiana, one Alabama, and one Mississippi. Uh, I think the last two cycles. And well, wait a minute, hold on. Not one out. Hold on. They got three Alabama last year. She so got four Alabama, a Louisiana, and a Mississippi. Uh, and that's that's pretty solid. Ladarian Craig out of Mobile, John Darius Morgan out of Birmingham. Uh, young guys uh, that were on the roster this year, Sam Reynolds, uh, all from Alabama. And then I mentioned uh, Colby Fields out of Louisiana. So Hey, you know, hey, look, great uh, geographic diversity is great, uh, and and that can kind of help you battle back, you know, against the the North Carolina blockade. And and then this year, you know, honestly, in state guys, uh, it was probably set up worse for South Carolina than in any other cycle, you know. And, and we talk about that sometimes it's set up badly for Clemson, uh, you know. South Carolina's not alone in all this, but you, but you sort of look at the state, and my goodness, um, you know, you're, you're sitting there eyeing it, and you're going, well, you know, who who are these guys that, uh, you know, from the state that you want? Well, Jalen Sneed, Hilton Head, we all know the story there. You're not getting anybody out of Hilton Head uh, right now. So then the next four guys went to Clemson. Uh, two of them are from Greenville County which Clemson should get highly rated guys from Greenville County. Uh, two of them were wide receivers. Uh, Clemson's success at that position speaks for itself. Uh, they don't always offer in-state wide receivers. And uh, so they use it. Hey, you know, we, we've passed on all the Brian Edwards and Shai Smith and Debo and all these guys, but we want you. Uh, so that resonates uh, given the success they've had as a program. And keep in mind, too, uh, you know, Antonio Williams was kind of one where you know, they came in a little later and got him. But, uh, you know, Adam Randall, shoot, he he committed to them like early during the transition. Uh, you know, same thing with Sadler, Jaden Lucas, uh, all those guys. So, you know, when, when you look at it, 
it wasn't set up well in state. I mean, you're sitting there at Hilton Head and then four guys who should sign with Clemson who will be an upset if they didn't because of their position and because of their geographic location. Uh, you know, you, you look at 2023 in state, it looks a little better. You know, you, you got uh, a kid from Sumter up there, a kid from Camden up there, though Camden has not been kind to the Gamecocks over the years. Uh, you know, there is a kid from Dorman that I think Clemson's probably going to get. And then, then the number one player in the state, Monroe Freeling, uh, out of Oceanside Collegiate, uh, he's sort of a move in. You know, unfortunately, North Carolina could be the school that gets him. Uh, maybe Clemson, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and then there are other players that are going to pop up within the state of South Carolina uh, for 2023. And uh, Carolina's actually – done a little better establishing ground roads uh, in North Carolina this cycle simply because of time. I mean, you, you, you know, this staff had, did not get to go on the road uh, until June or so, but uh, they're in it for Noel Rogers, who's the number one player in North Carolina right now. Uh, they've got, you know, Keith Sampson from New Bern, uh, defensive lineman, got a lot of offers. Montario Hardesty's from New Bern. <laughs> you know, the, it, it, it sets up it sets up a, a lot, uh, a lot better for the Gamecocks uh, in North Carolina next cycle. But who knows what'll happen? Uh, I like the approach. I think it was, it was really, really good for 2022. All right, now it's time for everybody's favorite segment: the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Two ways to get in the mailbag. Uh, you can tweet to at the Vicksburg pod or you can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And uh, okay, so I want to tell you about iHelp Consulting. Daniel, my good friend there, uh, is a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, he recently saved a customer more than $48,000 annually on his business expenses, and the average savings is more than two thousand dollars annually and uh you may be wondering how it works you know like i own a business i'd like to save money but i don't necessarily believe in consultants for a lot of reasons you know sometimes consultants you pay them all this money and they don't really help you Uh, i know that from working in local radio uh local radio consultants i think are stealing money in a lot of ways (laughs) Uh, because they just walk in and uh they have no clue like what your audience is yeah they just look at like uh, metrics and polls and uh, I think it kind of screws up uh, a lot of the good that happens organically uh, in uh, local radio. But I hope consulting doesn't doesn't roll that way. Uh, if you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, they can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And if they can't save you any money, you don't pay them a dime. And how do they get paid? Well, it's not a big fee. They just take a percentage of your first year's savings. So you're automatically saving money and then saving money year after year after year after year uh, just by Daniel helping you. 843-372-5713 or visit ihelpconsulting.com. Schedule a free consultation. 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Please tell them JC sent you. Uh, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, the I Help Consulting Mailbag. All right, like I said earlier, hopefully no bongo drums this time, especially with this segment. I'm going to go uh, blah, 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 blah. What is that sound? Blah, 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 blah. Um, all that. All right. Game Kai Fan 3. He said, Shane at one point, Mentioned our numbers were thin at quarterback this year with the movement in and out of the program. Since then, I think we're at the same number we were. Could we add more? And how many would that be? I think he said he had seven at Oklahoma. I don't, I'm not scholarship guys. Uh, the Helfrick kid that was a walk on this past year that had the, I think he had a heart surgery or something. He's back. Um, Connor Jordan left the program. I'm sure there'll be some other walk on quarterbacks, but you know, five scholarship guys. Uh, and let me think this Rattler, Doty, Gothier, and then Davis and, and Bailey. That's plenty. I think that's plenty, you know? Uh, yeah, you could have seven and change, right. You know, cause 
what you ideally what you want is guys getting reps, uh, you know, backup second or backup starter, and then a third guy on one of the two fields. And so you keep going, um, rotating and whatever. And that helps you rep everybody within the offense uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, I would, uh, I would definitely, you know, say that that's a good deal uh, and that he's right. But uh, some schools have like four walk on quarterbacks. And I think the game pass only had Jordan and then they were waiting for Helfrich to come in. Uh, could they add another one? Could they take a flyer on a pro Franklin to maybe come in in August as part of 2023? I could see it. But, uh, you know, at some point you don't want to get too jumbled up. But if he's 2023, he's 2023. Uh, they needed to uh, absolutely change the, uh, change the numbers and, and, and get the room flipped uh, at quarterback. And it's just so important. But uh, – you know, you have to. You're dead if you don't. Dead if you don't. So here we go. Uh, bongos, lots of this stuff. Uh, this one's interesting. Okay, so Thomas says, JC, I posted about Bennett Swigert on TBS. For those that don't know, Gamecock quarterback, former Gamecock quarterback Bennett Swigert is the OC at South Carolina State. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched their bowl game on Saturday, but the offense looks pretty good to me. Um and people, you know, they mentioned, hey, how about Swaggart as the OC? Uh, and people hated the idea. And he's like, I just see a, a simple offense that works at a USC alum who will sell South Carolina like Beaver does. Can you go into your take on it a little more? Thanks. Um, here's my take on it. I, I think anybody that completely discounts Bennett Swaggart as a viable offensive coordinator at the Power Five level is very short-sighted and probably doesn't know a whole lot about what they're looking at. They're just kind of looking at rep and all that good stuff. Um, do I think he's going to be the next offensive coordinator at South Carolina? No. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Um, not right now. Uh, I think that down the road he certainly could be. I think he's – you know, you look at what they do at State – Man, it's it's impressive scheme wise, vertical passing wise. I mean, it 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 it, it was impressive, and uh, there's no other way to put it. And you can call plays there. You can call plays at South Carolina or wherever. I think he'd be he'd be he'd be a massive upgrade over what's going on now. But uh, you know, so the people that shoot it down don't know what they're talking about, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and it's not one of those things where they don't know what they're talking about. Like 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 I'll say this. One day, Connor Shaw, if he wants to be, is going to be a fantastic offensive coordinator, head coach, whatever he wants to be in coaching. Right now, he's working off the field. Okay. I don't know that, you know, let's say something crazy happened, and I'm not saying this is going to happen because it's not. But let's say something crazy happened and Beamer promoted Shaw to OC. Okay. Um, and people would gripe and complain about that. I, I get that because that's the unknown. And and I don't know that I would be quite as, you know, you don't know what you're talking about about it. I think I'd I'd say, well, here's why this could work out, because this guy knows his stuff. But but it's it's not as uh it's not as proven, I guess. But uh you can watch South Carolina State and tell that that's a really interesting, good offense that they run and the play calls are fantastic. Uh so yeah, I don't I don't necessarily agree with the people that just shoot it down. Um, now, I, I, as it relates to South Carolina right now and in the future, I you know I, I think it I think if there's a change made, you, you really have to go with somebody that's like a no brainer uh, because and it's just because and, and it's it's very unfair, I think, uh, to hold what happened under Muschamp uh, against Beamer. But this is a this is like the outside of Mike Bobo yet another experiment at OC, uh, big promises, under delivered that kind of thing. So I think you need somebody that can deliver, you know, and 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 that doesn't necessarily mean top ten offense next year, but it does mean competence. And you're not sitting there wanting to gouge your eyes out by watching it, uh, and things make sense, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Josh, JC. If Sat comes back next year, do you think he'll try to run the same offense or will he make it more of a college scheme? 
I don't see him changing. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't. And um, I think you're just looking at more of the same if he comes back, uh, only with probably better players, uh, hopefully better players. Uh, I, I, there's just going to be some things that, you know, don't really work out too well uh, if that happens. Now, it doesn't mean South Carolina, South Carolina won six games this year uh, with that. So it doesn't mean they can't win. But uh, it'll be an, I, I just don't see anything sort of changing uh, if that's the case with that. All right, those guys all tweeted in. And remember, at the Big Spur Pod, uh, that's where you can check in on us. And then also inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Isaiah, hey, JC, hope you're doing well. I have two quick questions for you. With Vincent Murphy transferring out, who's going to start at center next year? Also, any word on Keem Green? I really thought he was going to make an impact last season, but I hadn't heard a word about him since he committed. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about Green since the spring. He didn't really play a whole lot. I don't know. You know, and I'll say this. I I loved his film coming out of junior college. He had a bunch of offers. Uh, Ended up in Nebraska because of his grades. Didn't do a whole lot at Nebraska at all. Um, I was hopeful, you know, based on what they were talking about, that on goal line and things like that, he could step in and do some things at Carolina. But, I mean, MJ Webb sort of outplayed him, Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway. He's behind those guys. So, uh, no word on him. As far as center goes, I believe Eric Douglas is coming back. Uh, gosh, it seems like he's been there since the Holtz era, right? <laughs> uh, behind him, uh, I would look at Vershawn Lee and Trey Jones. Uh, as your two centers, Lee is already working there with the departure of Murphy. Uh, but Douglas, you know, I, I don't know. I, how good is he? How good is he going to be? I think he needs to get stronger. And that sounds weird saying that about a guy that's been there for so long, but he needs to get stronger. Uh, otherwise, Vershawn Lee, if he is a center, I don't know that you move him to backup center and take him off the starting guard spot. But, you know, if he's the center going to go after that job, he needs to be the guy because he's one of the best they have, you know, so we'll see. And you can always be a starting guard and the backup center. That'll, that'll happen. But, uh, you know, right now, if I had to scale, I'd say right now, Douglas will probably start. Uh, and then Lee would be the backup, but I also expect him to start at another spot. Uh, but, but Eric Douglas needs to get stronger. Don't, I mean, he was kind of, he was pretty drama free and solid, uh, in 2020, they had to scheme around him a little bit, uh, but he was not good this year, and he needs to get a lot stronger, uh, a lot stronger, uh, in my opinion, between now and, and his final season, assuming he comes back, which I think he is. Jason says, long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, you mentioned on the signing day pod, they're almost full from high school, but could take more transfers. I thought it used to be 25 total. Did they change the numbers aloud and I missed it? Love the show. Best there is. Yeah. So the NCAA this year, in other words, if you lose players out of the portal, you can sign up to seven and get it back, get them back, which I think is fair. Because uh, if you're going to let guys just leave and not have to sit out, I think you need to give some relief on the back end of the coaches because, you know, you're restricting one thing uh, and then, you know, allowing a free-for-all on the other end. Uh, and it's completely unfair. Uh, so they did allow this. It's a one-time thing, they say. Uh, and, and you also have the COVID super senior thing. And I mean, the, the numbers are a mess, uh, but you can sign seven. So the Gamecocks do have, I think they have, are they full? Well, see, uh, DQ Smith may sign in February. Is that last high school guy? Maybe not. Uh, he may count on 2023, uh, but Bailey's in. So that I think that leaves one high school spot. And then I think seven, there's seven that you can get out of the portal. Uh, I believe as things stand right now. So it's not, so it's not just 25 total anymore. It's, it's 25 high school, 25. And then you get the, the relief, uh, the, the, the relief seven and, and Carolina's lost enough players. Uh, if I'm not mistaken to where, you know, they're, they're well within that threshold. All right. Jared says, just heard the Satterfield comments to Rattler. There's no way he's not 100% coming back. Another year of mediocrity. Please tell me you were hearing otherwise. I can't promise anything because, uh, like I said, 
it's going quiet on that end. But look, man, don't everybody freaks out about what they hear in the media and with press conferences. Uh, why would Marcus Satterfield say anything at all other than what he said? Because right now, his job is to be the OC at South Carolina. Right now, they're getting ready for a bowl game. Right now, they're still recruiting. Why would you say anything or hint around about anything else? Uh, that that would be stupid. <laughs> uh, and so, I don't, I don't know that that tells us a thing, you know, as far as uh, what exactly the fix on offense will be. Now, there's a way uh, Shane Beamer can kind of thread the needle with this and, and go the co- co-coordinator route if he wanted and – you know, you just kind of give the play calling to somebody else, but they both work on I mean, it. You know, there's there's a way to kind of thread the needle, and you know, all you know, if you, you look for the answers of all all of the above, all of the above is true. Um, you know, and there's a name floating around out there that could probably uh, answer that question. Maybe there's a couple other guys. I don't know. You know that that's the thing. Like I said, you know what I was hearing two weeks ago. Uh, was one thing, and, and and it's not that I've heard anything to the contrary. It's just that, you know, I haven't heard anything, and I'm not going to most likely uh, for a while uh, right here nine days before the bowl and all that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Jared, don't don't freak out over things like that. You know, I just don't, you know, I've learned to kind of ignore coach speak. <laughs> Uh, and, and all that good stuff uh, when it comes to that. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, I, you know, I've criticized Marcus Satterfield a bunch as far as the on-the-field stuff. I wasn't a huge fan of what he said to Rattler because nobody's out there saying that to Spencer Rattler. Take that for, you know, what what what, what it is. All right, so, Darian, do you see NIL turning into the next college football arms race like we've seen with these huge football facilities? Do you think teams will eventually get private investment and start racing to put together deals like Texas or Miami? Or do you think those deals will come few and far between? Um, I don't know that it's, you know, Texas and Miami basically, you know, I don't know if I want to say violated the spirit of the rule because nobody really knows what the spirit of the rule actually is. Um. I do think that anytime you guarantee players something uh, with the type of money that's being kicked around, uh, you got to be very, very careful that they're kind of more wired like Bryce Young, who's special, than like your normal recruit. (laughs) Because you can't just show up and play football. I know everybody likes to think that, Oh, you had all these five stars and all that. They're just going to all come in and, and kill it and be great. Uh, the guys that come in and kill it and they're great has nothing to do with their star rating. And it's how hard they work and how quickly they adapt. Because the more you go up a level of football, the collisions become a lot more fast and a lot more tough. Uh, everybody's big and strong like you are. Everybody's fast like you are, that kind of thing. Uh, and so you have to you have to work. You can't just show up and be like I'm Johnny High School, and and you know my question becomes is is if you're guaranteeing these guys all these money, how hard are they going to work? You know, are, are, are they going to just say I've got seven figures in the bank, my, my body's taking a pounding? Uh, you know, if you're a quarterback or whatever, you know, you got two million sitting there. Okay, I'll get my degree and take my chances investing wisely with the two million. And, you know, I don't have to play football and my grandkids still won't have to work based on what I've done in high school. I mean, you, you don't you don't write a check to the guy that wins most likely to succeed coming out of high school. It's high school, man. You know, nobody nobody peaks in high school. Nobody nobody wants to peak in high school. The guys that peaked at my high school, uh by and large you know, that, that was it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're 18 years old and that's just life. And so then, you know, you throw in the football factor, college football is hard. Football's hard. And the, the great thing about the sport is you can be a quote unquote five star and you can be a quote unquote four star. Uh, and if you don't work, the guy that's the three star that loves it, 
that's uh, that, that lives and breathes it, that's working his butt off every day, he's going to take your spot. And then it's going to be him walking across the stage, shaking hands with Roger Goodell, and everybody's going to be wondering, why did I spend seven figures on a guy that, you know, played special teams? And so that's the question. Now, what will it become? I, I, I think that eventually there's going to have to be some guardrails in terms of enticements by – you know, direct enticements, because you're not supposed to be able to do that to begin with. But uh, so some guardrails there. But but I also think businesses and, and all that one day will wisen up and they'll go, man, we've spent all this money and we're no better than we were. You know, maybe maybe it should be incentivized a little more. Um, and then if you have a great NIL program at your school uh, and your proven players are getting paid, okay, then that's going to, then your school is going to recruit itself at that point. Cause you can point to it and say, this guy did this, this guy did this, you know, once they prove themselves uh, as far as just straight up giving every offensive lineman 50 grand, you know, at Texas, you know, and you look at the, what are the problems at Texas? Why do they lose to Kansas at home? And why are they five and seven with all the talent they have? It's not talent. That school has no problem attracting elite recruits. It's what happens when they get there. And so how does that fix that, Darian, in my opinion? Now, all that being said, this is America, and, and I don't have any problem with the players getting money. I mean, that's, if you can go get it based on what you did in high school, more power to you. But, you know, football is, you know, to succeed and get better and, and go make real money in, in the pros – you got to put in the work. Um, you know, it's it's not like basketball where all your elite players are 18 months away at a minimum from being multi-billionaire, millionaires, whatever, because they're all, for, you know, you know who the top guys are. You know, these guys all project to be first-rounders. They're going Kentucky, Duke, wherever. They're one and done. You know, that's that. Uh, football is not like that. Go look at – you know, very few five stars go start to finish. The only two guys that have ever been number one out of high school, well, I'll throw in three because, you know, my friend Bobby Burton of the National Recruiting Advisor did have Peyton Manning ranked number one out of high school in the 90s. So it's been Peyton Manning, Jadevian Clowney, and Trevor Lawrence. That's it. And you're talking 26 years of the modern recruiting era. I mean, you know, it's not – you know, some five stars don't even get drafted. So, 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 uh, you know, you, you better. There's just all kinds of things that go go into it. Um, you know, and I think the problem is going to be everybody looks at it and they all get scared. Oh my God, look at what Texas is doing. We're going to lose this guy. Oh my God, and so it becomes this big old pile of wasted cash because you're out there buying uh, or, or not buying, but. Uh, you know, investing in players based off of a recruiting ranking list that's never accurate uh, uh, within, you know, 50, 60%. You always bat about 600. That's just how it is. Uh, and you're going to lose your butt on some guys. You know, maybe quarterback's a different deal. Maybe, maybe those guys, you know, because you do have in football position value. Uh, even the NFL plays quarterbacks more than they pay an offensive guard or a center or a tight end. So, look. We'll see kind of uh, uh, what the deal is. He said, how is South Carolina equipped to handle this? I know that technically schools can't entice recruits with deals or even set up deals, but so far I've seen very little with South Carolina and NIL. It's happening. Uh, it hasn't been a whole lot. Uh, certainly there's been none of the the splash deals at South Carolina like you see at Texas or before with Miami. But look, man, that's most schools. You know, that's most schools. So – NIL, um, it's going to get crazy, okay? Uh, but don't panic if you're a school that's not, you know, out there slinging the cat. You know, your people aren't out there slinging the cash around because, like I said, you know, it, it's a different ball game when you're talking about high school kids getting more money than they ever dreamed of in their whole lives. And then with the work that's in front of them to be successful at college football, with academics, with that, with development, with working hard. I mean, you know, it, it's awfully easy when you when you got 
you know, six, seven figures in the bank, uh, you know, and you'd probably rather just chill at the condo that you can afford than go work out or whatever. I mean, you know, you have to be very self-motivated, uh, in my opinion, uh, to look at something like that and to maximize your talent. And I just don't know that everybody is. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that everybody is. I mean, you can tell that by guys that get drafted in the NFL and sign that big contract, you know, and then it just, they just straight up don't want any part of, of playing uh, at that level. And they, they, they have their money and they bust out. So we'll see sort of what happens. That's a NIL something we'll talk about a lot uh, during the offseason, Darian, uh, tremendously. Because it's going to be fascinating to see how it works out. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of panicking on the part of South Carolina uh, if they see some things like what happened at Texas or Miami. Uh, oh, and they're going to blame Ray Tanner, which you know, I can just see it happening right now. That's, I've said before, it's not up to Ray, it's up to, you know, you guys out there that have businesses and all that to, you know, to make sure that the NIL situation at South Carolina is good. So that's, that's the deal there. Um, all right. Appreciate all the uh, questions. Uh, appreciate uh, the inbox. Um, Merry Christmas. Uh, I will be, I'll have another segment, you know, between now and Christmas, but Merry Christmas this week. It's going to be, yes, yeah, Christmas week. Christmas on a Saturday. My birthday's on Sunday, the day after Christmas. So big weekend for me coming up, but I'll be with you. I'll be on the big spur and around, obviously. Uh, JC Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>